Hello, and welcome to the 17th episode of the iRace We Gamble podcast. Uh, I'm one of your hosts, Alex Crum, joined again by Josh Slimer. Crum, we're going to Pocono. Crum, we're going we to Pocono. Oh, I see what you did there. <laughs> little little <laughs> double header uh, voice action. Yeah, I'm going to repeat everything twice on this podcast. Oh, God, no, that'd be way too I'm long. Just Please I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Thank goodness. Uh, <laughs> Well, it'll be an interesting week for lineups with uh, the way the things work here at Pocono, and it's a busy weekend in general. Uh, but first, I'm going to talk about a few things. Um, namely, we didn't do a bonus pod last week because I should probably check the schedule before I start talking about bonus pods. If there's qualifying Sunday morning, we're probably not going to do a bonus pod. The turnaround time wouldn't really make sense. Um, so we'll just update everything on our Twitter handle, iRaceWeGamble. Uh, follow that, obviously. Um, and then a couple other things I thought were cool that I saw this past week. Um, Daniel Ricardo in F1, drives from McLaren. Uh, he was on the Pardon My Take podcast recently and talked about his affinity for the Bills and Bills Mafia. And as a Bills fan, I was thrilled. So Lewis Hamilton, I love, uh, but he's at the end of his career. Daniel Ricardo's my my next up and coming favorite driver, even if he's not that young. Uh, but that was really cool to see. Put him uh, through a table. Yeah, absolutely. Have Josh Allen throw him to the table. That needs to happen. That'd be fantastic. Yeah. Uh, they do race in Miami next year. So if the if the schedule lines up where the Bills play the Dolphins like a week after the F1 race in Miami and there's an F1 break, maybe he can do it then. That would be pretty fun to do it. Uh, I feel like he's got to come to Orchard Park, though. True, true. Hallmark Stadium, Josh. Hallmark. Whatever. I'm a Cowboys fan. It's still the Ralph to me, damn it. Um, <laughs> in any case, uh, some other stuff that went on this week. Uh, rumors of Honda joining NASCAR. So that's a little exciting. I know, Josh, you were curious whether Honda would get into NASCAR. It looks like they might. We'll see. Yeah, I'm, in, I'm into that. As somebody who drove three straight Honda Accords to start my life, I would, uh, <laughs> I would have to adapt a Honda driver for sure. Yeah, I mean, Harvick's, you know, he's near the tail end of his career. You can always uh, figure out, you know, who your next driver is, similar to what I'm doing with Ricardo here. So um, the big rumor is really that Ganassi would probably be the manufacturer to pick up Honda or the team that would pick up Honda as a manufacturer, I should say, uh, mostly because their IndyCar team has Honda as their engine manufacturer. So kind of already a relationship there, could see it happening. Um, whether Kurt Busch continues or potentially retires or joins a new team. I don't know. But Ross Chastain has been doing some good work for you lately, and he's on Ganassi. So that could be your that could be your future driver coming up. I mean, I would not hate that, to be perfectly honest with you. I wouldn't either. I think he's got a lot of talent. So that, that would be cool to see him uh, have some success. And he's um, probably going to be the top guy for them next year. Yeah, to be fair, I think he is. Um, he's had a pretty good, steady... Uh, improvement over the course of this year in his first season with a you know a decent team. Um, Kurt Busch is retiring. Yeah, probably. Probably he said he isn't, but uh, <laughs> who knows? Who knows? You just keep perpetuating uh, that rumor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then uh, another thing I saw this week: uh, Larry McReynolds, the former crew chief, current Fox broadcast analyst, um, had a hot take that Kevin Harvick won't get a win this season. So he must be listening to the pod and listening to your takes, Josh, because you already said that. 
the problem is is that he doesn't get quite as hot as I do. I said no Stuart Haas is going to win. True. But I would have to say, if he's saying Harvick isn't getting a win, I think he, he would agree with you on the Stuart Haas part. Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah, Almirola probably has a puncher shot at the super speedways. That's a fair point. Yeah. But, yeah, uh, I... Yeah, it's not happening. No, yeah, we're not, we're not backing on it, that's for sure. Um, speaking of super speedways, something that uh, got announced a couple of weeks ago, I think, that we haven't really talked about and hasn't really been relevant because we haven't been to uh, one of the super speedways yet in a while. Um, but when they go back to Daytona at the end of the regular season and then Talladega in the playoffs, they are using a different package, slightly less horsepower, Slightly less drag because they're removing, uh, I think, the wicker on the top of the spoiler that uh, produced more drag to slow them down. So basically, they're doing what I said they should do after we saw Joey Logano flip and after he came out and said, we need to change something, which is reduce the horsepower. Don't make the drag quite as high to slow the cars down. Do it with the motor, Um, which basically means the runs that people get on each other shouldn't be as drastic and the speeds will be slightly lower, which is it's fine. it's it's really a band-aid solution at this point, considering the fact that they're gonna go to the next gen car next year and that'll be a totally different animal. Um but like I mentioned already, follow us at iRace We Gamble. We'll have updates there uh about our lineups so if we make any changes or anything that happens. Um also been retweeting a lot of relevant fantasy and iRacing stuff on that account. Um and then if you want to email us with feedback or questions feel free to reach out at iracewegamble at gmail.com. So just the title of the show, no punctuation or spaces, at gmail.com. All right, before we get to the real-life stuff, we always have to talk about a little iRacing news and what's going on. Uh, It's Pocono week for the real life. It's Pocono week in iRacing for all the series, most of the series at least. Um, I will say it's tough on the safety rating because the way that safety rating is calculated is like per corner. And with the track being so big, it's a two and a half mile track like a Daytona or Talladega, but it's not shaped in such a way that you can just take it flat out. Um, and so with so few laps, it's really easy to have something happen in front of you and not be able to avoid it. You get a, a quick 4X and then your safety rating goes down after the race, even if you keep it clean the rest of the time. Um, I had that issue exactly in a race I ran at Pocono in the A car. Went into turn one, everybody was sideways in front of me. I couldn't avoid it. I managed to get a decent finish out of the race, but uh, definitely took a hit on my safety rating. And it's a tricky track. Um, All three corners are very different. It is a a tricky triangle, as they say. Um, And then I I tried the next-gen car because that wasn't at Pocono. I wanted to try something a little different. Um, They're at Dover this week. Um, And Josh, I'm going to try to explain a NASCAR car's handling. I don't know if it's going to translate because I don't think I would have really truly understood it until I did more, you know, so much eye racing to get to that point. But the, this is how I feel about the next gen car so far and what I've tested with it. It feels like it's too rigid. And by that, I mean, it's like, let's say you go into a corner And you sort of feel the suspension soften and like get the car into the corner and like allow it to turn. And when it does that, it it sort of if you can imagine a sponge sort of twisting, if you can imagine like a sponge twisting slightly where the left rear is up a little higher and 
what it's doing is it's leaning on the right side, basically. Um, with these next-gen cars, it feels like... I th- it's probably the independent suspension in the back. It feels like you're in the track, in the track, everything's normal until you get a little sideways. And as soon as you get sideways, you're just, like, completely sideways. There's no saving it. And it just feels like there's no give. There's no play with that suspension. So, it, like, it's hard to feel when the car breaks loose. Does that make sense at all? A little bit. Okay. Um, a little bit is all I'm looking for. <laughs> <laughs> it makes me think about when I was younger, and I don't know how much I should actually say about this and put it out into public space. (laughs) But going into the school parking lots and grabbing a couple of the uh, cafeteria trays. Oh, I know exactly what you're talking about now. Throwing them under my rear tires. Yeah. (laughs) In my Honda Accord. Yep. And just running around the parking lot and locking up the front brakes. Yeah. That's, the, that's the cheap donuts right there. <laughs> and letting the car just spin and spin and spin. Man, we had some fun doing that. Yeah, man. Don't yeah, it's, it's don't do that, kids. No, yeah, don't absolutely not. That's <laughs> this is a tale of what you shouldn't do. Um try it in high <laughs> racing. See if you can set up your car to race like it has uh lunch plates under the rear tires. <laughs> <laughs> so clearly that's something that uh our generation just did then yeah yeah <laughs> i didn't do it personally like i kind of wish i did but i definitely heard about it a lot yeah it was fun yeah um you had to do it in one without just don't do it you had to do it in one in parking lots without freestanding light posts oh because mm-hmm. totally. they're really you, re- you really were once you locked up your brake you were at the whim of wherever your car stopped. Yeah, it's like driving in the snow. You really don't have much control of that. <laughs> All right, well, I'm happy that worked out to, to, to have an analogy that you've understood. Um, <laughs> and I gotta say, the, one, the other thing that I noticed with the next-gen car is that the, there's apparently some pretty significant bumps on the entry to turn three at Dover. That like I had maybe noticed a little bit in the regular current generation car, but in the next gen car, I think because that suspension is so, I guess I'll say stiff, you really feel the bumps going into three. Um, so that was something that caught me off guard when I was racing around Dover. Normally, it feels like a pretty symmetrical track, but turn three has a lot more bumps than I realized, um, which was kind of cool to feel because they do scan the track really accurately. So it's it's accurate. It's just it's sort of exaggerated by the the feeling of a virtual version of next-gen car that may not be accurate, but hey, I'm going to pretend like it's real life. Uh, moving on to uh, some of the other stuff going on in iRacing that I'm not partaking in. Uh, the eNASCAR Coke Series, the top level for NASCAR in uh, iRacing. Race at Pocono this uh, Tuesday, this week. Um, it was an interesting strategy race because... Sort of, they don't have stages. They just have, I think it was, uh, I want to say, 90 laps that they did. Um, and so you you can really try some different things in terms of strategy. And a lot of guys did a strategy that basically made, made it so that they were hoping for a caution. If they didn't get a caution, they were going to pit an extra time. It wasn't going to work out. But if they did get a caution, it was going to be to their benefit. And they did. 
I think it was like 15 or 20 to go. There was a caution that came out um, and it really threw things into a interesting state. Um, and unfortunately, the rest of the race was basically a wreck fest because people are trying to make moves down the front straight that's so long. And um, it, it reminded me of those 15 lap races at uh, in the prelims for the firecracker where it's just like, well, there's just like not much laps left. Let's all just try to send it into turn one. And that doesn't work too well. Um, so not the greatest showing uh, in the world, but it was it was a little interesting to see the strategy play out. And uh, speaking of the Firecracker 400, that's still going on. Uh, actually, as we record this, the uh, broadcast is on right now for bump day qualifying. So last night, the top 20 qualified for the Firecracker 400. Um, and tonight, it was 21st through 88th, I think, because there are 88 drivers that made it to this point. Um, all those drivers could choose to either stay on the time that they qualified with yesterday or try to run a faster lap today. And the way that it works is they use whatever the current weather is in Daytona. They don't like, you know, set a specific weather time. So what they did is like, like I said, set the weather to what it is currently. And today is much cooler than yesterday. So everybody's running faster laps. So I think most of the people who qualified yesterday who didn't get in the top 20 who are guaranteed in the race are rerunning their laps this, uh, this night tonight. And, um, so we're seeing a lot of fast laps being run today. Be interesting to see who makes the race. Um, some favorites that made the race already, Malik Ray, who I follow, uh, made it 20th out of 20. So he's in the race. Blake McCandless, who's the pit reporter for these firecracker prelims, uh, made the race. So he's not going to be able to be a pit reporter for the race because he's in it. Um, he'll probably be somebody that they talk to during the race, I'm sure, though. And then Dale Earnhardt Jr., I'm, I'm looking right now, he is currently 15th out of 22, and he has to be top 22 to make it into the uh, Firecracker 400. So he's at risk of not making it. However, they do have a provisional, uh, promoter provisional, that basically like the 43rd spot in the race, they can fill it with whoever they want. And they, I wouldn't be surprised if they just picked Dale Jr. for that if he doesn't make it, because he's a big name. Why not? Um, could it be Kyle Busch, though? If they if Junior doesn't make it and Kyle Busch wants to run the race, they might throw Kyle Busch in there. So we'll see. All right, enough of virtual racing. Let's uh, let's move on to the real life stuff. Um, start with F one. Um, Josh, you you caught the French Grand Prix, and it was uh, it was a good one. It was one of the best French Grand Prix I've seen. What did you uh, What did you think of the race? It was a lot of fun. Um, glad I'm. I, I know you said you were looking forward to a rain race, but I'm kind of glad that the weather held up. Yeah, it worked um, out to be a better race than I thought without the rain. It was a really, really good race, and I thought it was really interesting seeing the different pit strategies where Mercedes went with the one-pit strategy and Red Bull went with the two-pit strategy. And we see how that worked out. I was actually mm -hmm. having a conversation with my wife and thinking... Okay, so if their average pit stop is, let's just say, 25 seconds mm -hmm. is what they lose on, on track time for going into the pit. The fact that they had one extra set of fresher tires made up for at least 26 seconds yeah, of track more, really. time, which is pretty incredible and yeah. kind of... I think that's a good way to illustrate just how important tires are. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I think that, like, 
the key to a good race is having tire wear because it allows people to try different strategies. Do you want track position or do you want fresh tires? Because if the tires don't wear, you're going to take track position every time. But if the tires wear out a lot, then you have another option, right? So really smart play from Red Bull. They they have the uh, strategy figured out this week. Um, And I got to say, the... The reason that strategy works is because they have two cars that are competitive. So one of the things that Mercedes has had an advantage with for so long is that Botas is a really good driver, not maybe as good as Hamilton, but he's good enough to be top three on the podium. And what you can do when you have a fast secondary driver is you basically leave them out there as almost like a block. Um, Because what Red Bull did is they they pitted before Mercedes and had a really great lap on fresh tires that made it so that when Mercedes pit, they were ahead of them. So Verstappen jumped ahead of uh, Hamilton on the pit on the first pit stop. And then the, the problem for Mercedes is they could try to make a second pit stop to do what Red Bull did. But if they make that second pit stop, they're then behind Perez, who's only made one stop. And Perez is going to do everything he can to keep him behind them and slow them up. And if that happens, you're going to lose more time to uh, Verstappen. And so then Verstappen might be able to build enough of a lead that he can make a pit stop without losing any spaces. And so instead, because Mercedes can't pit for that reason, uh, Verstappen makes the pit stop and his teammate's not going to hold him up because it's his teammate and they want to do well. And so that allows him to make an easy pass for, say, third and then get by Botas and get by Hamilton at the end of the race. Um, but I, I like that it, like... That strategy only works if you're a really fast car and you're able to catch up to the lead guy in the last in the closing laps because that's exciting, right? Um, but yeah, I think I think from here on out it's going to be Mercedes and Red Bull all the way. Um, I'm going heavy on Red Bull in my fantasy lineup, but Josh has been killing me in fantasy lately. He's number one in our fantasy F1 league, which is frustrating because. <laughs> I'm the experienced F1 fan, and he's he's new to the game, and he's killing me. Yeah, I haven't made a lot of lineup changes throughout yeah. the season. Um, you a turbo driver this week, though, for sure. I did change my turbo, and uh, Norris worked out well. But I'm I'm thinking about doing some probably silly changes, but who's to say? Yeah. Uh, and I, I already told you, I, I made some changes for this week um, before practice even happened, because I feel like a lot of times I get tricked by practice. It seems like uh, teams like Ferrari have a lot of pace in practice, but not so much race pace. And it throws me off sometimes. So I just said, you know what? I trust in Red Bull. They're at the Red Bull ring, which is a new track to iRacing as of the last build. A lot of fun. Um, so my changes were I swapped out uh, Botas for Perez. So I went... Mercedes driver to Red Bull driver, and that's a discount. Perez is cheaper than Botas, and I think he'll do better. Uh, I swapped to Red Bull from Alpine as my manufacturer because both drivers are doing so well, and Alpine has kind of underperformed last race and has been in general. Um, So that's a huge upgrade in price and points, hopefully. And then the other downgrade I made was from Ocon to Russell. So uh Esteban Ocon was on Alpine he has a chance at finishing in the points every week but hasn't been really doing that um and George Russell is someone who typically runs in the back because Williams isn't as competitive uh the team he's on but he 
does a pretty good job of gaining places. Um, so if he starts 13th, he finishes 11th or something like that, um, that's good enough. And the fact that I have so much on Red Bull, it should be enough, I hope, to hopefully give me the edge over you this week. We'll see, though. Um, <laughs> I made Perez my turbo driver this week because I think he's the best outside of those top three guys um, in terms of expenses. So that's my plan for the upcoming week. I don't know, Josh, have you, have you made any plan of changes or are you going to wait and see? Um, so I'm thinking, and I probably need to be talked off this ledge, but I'm thinking about getting rid of Red Bull. Oh, dangerous. And, go, and going to Aston Martin. Okay, I don't hate that idea. They've been sneaking their way into the midfield and doing well lately. Which allows me to get off of Norris. I think it's time to get off of him. Might be a sell high kind of thing. Yeah, and add Perez. I like that. And that frees up enough cash then that I am able to upgrade from Gasly. No, Gasly's still in my lineup, right? I don't know, you tell me. <laughs> yeah, so I still I still have Gasly. That allows me to go from uh Giovanese mm-hmm. uh to Stroll. Okay, yeah, I like that. So you're you're basically betting on the Aston Martin team because Stroll's on Aston Martin. Giovinazzi's not hasn't been doing anything worth having in a lineup, I feel like. The same could be said for Russell. I feel like him and him and Russell are in the same boat. He's kind of a not throwaway, but just, you know, not gonna give you a ton of points, but fills out your lineup kind of thing. So I, I do like those upgrades um quite a bit actually. So Although I actually yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. I can I, I can go to Vettel instead of Stroll if I want to. Uh, that's a tough one because Vettel has been performing better recently, but Stroll's the younger up and comer. So yeah. I, either way, I think you're okay. Um, and if you beat me this week, I'm just gonna ask you what you're doing every F1 week <laughs> and then copy you because this is getting out of hand. But I would definitely uh, also be making my turbo driver Perez. Yeah, I, I 100% think Perez is the best turbo driver to have because you can't have Hamilton or Verstappen or Botas. Um, so yeah, Perez seems like he's gotten comfortable in the Red Bull cars. Um, he's obviously quick enough to finish top four easily. So I think he's a good play. All right, moving on from F1, we are going to talk about Nashville. Oh, crumb. What a... Yeah, we came in with such uh, high expectations for this race. I feel like we just got another boring one. I mean, Larson is just ruining every race at this point, right? Yeah. Um, oh, God. What is it? 2015 and Joey Logano? Yeah, something like that. Is it starting <laughs> that vibe a little bit where it's just, okay, who's going to come in second? I mean, I-, I feel like the crazy thing is Larson could have like six or seven wins at this point. He had so many second place finishes early in the year and people were kind of thinking like, Oh, he's not gonna, it's not gonna make it happen. But then now he's just on a streak of wins, no matter what he does. Yeah, absolutely. Speaking of Logano, um, what's going on with Penske? You know, that's a great question because I, I think I had kind of, I'd seen some articles on the athletic that I subscribed to. And again, no, no sponsors on this podcast, but feel free to reach out if you want to. Um, 
but I, I'd seen some articles from like Jeff Gluck and Jordan Bianchi of the athletic, uh, covering NASCAR that talked about the fact that like, you know, Penske's really focusing on the 750 package because that's the majority of the playoff races. That's the championship race. And as long as you make the playoffs and you can do well enough, that's going to be good. But Penske didn't show up at all this weekend. I mean, Blaney had an issue with his brakes. Logano, I never saw. I think Kozlowski had some damage at some point, but all three of them, I, I, they never seemed to be a factor at all in this race. Not in qualifying, not in the race, uh, nowhere. So I, I don't know what's going on, but if we're if we do a steer clear, that's that's what I'm steering clear of until I see something different because Penske is starting to fall behind, and I, I don't think it's going to get better anytime soon. Maybe maybe if they can sort it out by the pl- the playoffs, it'll be fine. But uh, right now, it's a little sketchy. Yeah, it's kind of wild how it's happening. I actually thought Logano looked good in qualifying. He got a little a little loose in turn three. Otherwise, I think he would have had the pole. Yeah, he was, what, top ten somewhere? I think he was two. Was he really? I believe, yeah, I'm pretty sure he All started right. at two. All right, I'm doing a note check now. Hold and uh, Yeah, third, that's third, third. Third, and that's why I made him my follow the leader. Yeah, that's a that's a reasonable assumption. I, I guess I, I incorrectly assumed that he was in the same boat as Blaney and Kozlowski, who qualified 10th and uh, 15th. Um, but I think it's because he disappeared so fast in the start of the race. I yeah. never saw him up front, so I was like, where is he? <laughs> yeah, it was weird. Um, but as we've already talked about, Larson, he just continues to dominate. I mean, uh, is there any way you're not putting him in a lineup, Josh? No. <laughs> that, it's simple, isn't it? It's, it really is that simple. Um, I'm looking at the ideal lineup from Nashville. And he, uh, just on some quick mental math, is 23 points higher than the next best driver. 23, yeah. Crump. And, it's, and his, his score was 100. So it's not like, you know, 1,000 <laughs> And he was 23 points ahead. He was literally like, you know, if, if the perfect score on the test is 100, he's got 100, and the next best person in the class has 78. So the people grading on a curve are pissed because he's ruining it. Yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. He, I, I think I sent you a text message that he was starting in fifth, and if there was a competition caution, he'd be in first by then. And did I say some? I need to look at, at if this actually happened. Did I say all? No, it didn't because Bowman wasn't having a great day. But I thought all four Hendricks drivers were going to be in the top seven by lap 30. Oh, you did say that. I think, yeah, Bowman and um, was it? I think it was Chase Elliott both in the first corner kind of sent it kind of hard. And, a little uh, hard and got spots. really high up the track. Yeah. Yeah. Otherwise, I think it could have happened. And then. Agreed. I think Bowman was the biggest surprise, honestly. Like, even later in the race, he didn't gain as much ground as I expected. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, that, I mean, that, that was kind of a normal, normal happenstance, right? The five just leading the way. Yep. What, uh, what went on with your boy 18? Oh, man. I, so, early in the race, the first run of the race, because there's no competition caution, you know... Kyle Busch started second, 
I was I was shocked by that because you know at Charlotte where he had a great car, he qualified you know twentieth or something and worked his way up and spoiled the top four Hendrick party right. And this week he qualified second, so I'm like, all right, he won the Xfinity race, he qualified second. This is going to be a good week for Kyle Busch. And the first run, he was the only guy who kept even in touch with Kyle Larson before the first pit stop. And the first stage, I think he did pretty well too. But then middle of the race, he fell back to fifth. He he, I was listening to the radio. He was having some issues with the car. They were trying to adjust on it. And honestly, I think they were trying to adjust on it too much. I think they were trying to catch up to Larson. And everything they did to make the car better wasn't was hurting some other part of the corner, right? So, you know, he he had talked about like, oh, we're rolling the center of the corner great, but you know, I'm not able to get on the gas enough off the corner, or I, I'm really loose getting into the corner. And so by trying to fix those issues, I think they hurt what the car could do. Um, and he started to fall back even more. He fell back to 10th. And then it was a really weird um situation kind of like midway to the second half of the race where Kyle Busch just dropped like a rock from 10th to like 25th. He was behind plenty of cars that didn't, that normally aren't ahead of him. Um, and I was kind of like, what the hell is going on? Uh, and his crew chief, his spotter both said like, is he have a tire down? What's going on? This is weird. And uh, they came on the radio and said, maybe, you know, maybe he can't hear us because he mentioned his mic early in the race was like kind of disconnected or he was having trouble getting, keeping it connected. So like, hey, like, can you hear us? Like drive down the middle of the front straight if you can. And he comes on the radio and says, I can hear you guys just fine. There's nothing to talk about. And I was like, oh, I'm a little I'm a little concerned now. Uh, you're running 25th and you don't have much to say. I'm a little worried. Um, but then, and I, I was shocked by this, but then the next pit stop, you know, they take the tires off, they put new tires on, and his crew chief comes over the radio and says, oh, yeah, your right front was going down. And it's like, what? How did you not say that? <laughs> like, how did you not notice? What the heck? Um, so that was a little frustrating for me, honestly, because I was like, I'm a Kyle Busch fan. I want to see you do well, and you're just kind of being a spoiled brat right now. I don't, I don't like it. Um, so that was a little frustrating, honestly, for me. But he ends up like kind of charging back and, and getting a decent finish in 11th. But he was not the lock that I thought he was coming into Sunday, um, which was really unfortunate. Um, Chase Elliott was another guy that I, I even had as a potential lap leader uh, when we, we discussed it on the pod. And he did OK. We mentioned the fact that he got out of the groove in the early part of the race. But uh, all that was for not. He got disqualified. What? What? What the heck? Lug nuts, crumb. Are those How important? many? <laughs> For safety, apparently. Um, even though no one's lost a wheel yet out on the track. Um. Uh, yeah. So he got hit with what five loose lug nuts at post race yeah. inspection. That's... Initially, they reported four, but then they changed it to five. Yeah. So. I feel like you can like make the argument for four, one per tire. Uh, yeah, maybe it was this, that, or the next thing. But when you have five, you you you're trying to get that extra two tenths, and um, you know, I don't, I don't know if two tenths of a second is as important as the difference between thirteenth and thirty ninth. 
Yeah, yeah. And it, the, so the bigger um, issue with that is not that just that he gets 39th place points, but any stage points he earned are disqualified too. So oh. he won. He won stage one by staying out, and that gets completely wiped out. Interesting. Yeah. So not only is it bad from a fantasy perspective for anyone who picked Chase, but it's also bad for his own like playoff points, any points at all. Um, I mean, he has a win, so he'll probably make the playoffs no problem. But um, yeah, that was that was much worse than I expected. And we'll get to our lineups and everything later. But I have to say. His DQ did help me quite a bit, so I appreciated it. <laughs> yeah, that did help you. What didn't help you was your uh, 37 of Priest, who you accurately predicted to qualify in 20th. What happened? Um, he qualified 20th. He won the truck race, which gave me all the confidence in the world, right? I'm like... Going out on a limb. Let's let's go Priest this weekend. He wins the truck race. All right, we're all in. How could you go wrong with Priest? He qualifies exactly where I think he will. And then he does nothing. He does absolutely nothing. And his teammate, his teammate, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. in the 47, looks like he has a car contending for a win. He's up there in second place. So at this point, I... I am not touching Ryan Priest with a 10-foot pole unless I see something crazy. Because if you're going to be that far behind your teammate, I can't trust you. I, there's no chance. And you won in the truck race, that's great. But if you can't get it done on Sundays, that's where I'm putting my money. And uh, I'm, I'm done with Ryan Priest. I'm very sad that he did not show up on Sunday. Um, he did have a brake issue at one point, which you know made him finish even worse than he would have. He, he ends up was it 32nd, I think. Um, he probably could have gotten 25th. But your teammate's challenging for second place, man. Come on. He finished... <laughs> Stenhouse finished 6th. Like, you can't be sitting in 25th and being like, oh, the car's not good enough, and your teammate's running in top 5. That doesn't make sense. So, yeah, I was Stenhouse, very frustrated. Stenhouse kind of showed us some stuff, too, though, didn't he? He had really he good fast practice times. He qualified really well. And then he came out and put it all together on Sunday. Yeah, I, th- I think I even threw him in a lineup, if I remember correctly. Um, I know I threw him in one. Yeah, I'm double-checking right now. Uh, let's see. Did I throw him in a 50-50? Is that what I did? No, I think I threw him in my winning tournament lineup. That's what it was. Yeah, so I, um, I, I randomly, at last minute, decided to get into the $7 main tournament, the Intimidator. And that ended up being my top lineup of the week. With yeah, Stenhouse in there, and you had Chastain in that lineup too, right? Sure did. Yeah, those two were the definitely the the buy low plays for the week, including Kurt Busch, which we'll get to. And um, obviously Larson. Yeah, but we we talked about it at the start of the show. Uh, we said you know Larry Mack agrees with you. Kevin Harvick's not getting a win, but Eric Elma for SHR got the pole, which I was shocked by. And then, and you know, we were both like, look, he starts first. There's nowhere to go but down, honestly. <laughs> and it's just, it's not worth putting him in your lineup. But he did pretty well. Um, I mean, not anything, maybe not worth in your lineup necessarily. Uh, he finishes fourth, which is great. Um, but he started first, so you don't get any place differential. Um, but, you know, even, 
uh, Kevin Harvick looks strong. So what were your thoughts on seeing H- SHR show up like for once? <laughs> um, I don't know. I think it might have been the perfect storm. Maybe there as a team turning into what my knock on Kyle Bush was earlier, where if they have practice and qualifying, they're going to figure out a couple things, tweak a couple things, and and get competitive. It gives me a little tiny bit of hope that in some 750 packages they can have some contention, but I'm I'm sticking with my guns, Crumb. Stuart Haas is not going to get a single win this year. Okay. None of them. I, I, I can't disagree with you at this point. I mean, I think you mentioned that, you know, Almirola is kind of the guy that could get one at a super speedway, but outside of those, it's going to be tough to imagine one of them getting a win. Um, and I will say... Briscoe and Custer both finished 30th and 31st in this race, but they were both in the top 12 uh, early on. Um, but brakes were their main issue. Yeah, what was happening with the brakes? Because you mentioned those with Priest too. Yeah, so there's a really interesting thing going on uh, with brake packages. So Essentially, most tracks, you know, you've got the 550 horsepower tracks where you're almost running completely flat out. You're barely using the brakes except to get on pit road. Um, Same thing for super speedways like Talladega and Daytona. So what they do is they're trying to save weight and save, I guess, you know, uh, brake cooling is another thing. So they don't want to try to cool down the brakes or have big brake pads or have big brake rotors at tracks where they don't use the brakes much. because it helps them in other areas. So coming to this track, it's a new track for the Cup Series. There, It's a low downforce track. It feels like a mile and a half in terms of the layout and sort of the shape. But I even mentioned in iRacing, I was surprised at how much you had to break for the corners. And I think it surprised some of the teams too. And they thought they could get away with some of the, the smaller brake packages where they you know, don't have big brake rotors and big brake pads. But uh, we saw several brake rotors fail. Um, I, th- I think there was a brake failure on almost every green flag run except the last one. Um, there were issues where parts of the brake rotor weren't picked up by the track crew after a caution came out for those kinds of issues um, because they can be like really fine little pieces. And then we had drivers run over those pieces of debris and crash. So it was I was surprised at how much that caused an issue. Um, I know that like, I think it was Harvick during the broadcast, they said they went with the conservative brake package. They went with a more uh, sturdy brake package that's a little safer. And obviously that worked out for them. They finished fifth. Um, and I said, I said Elmerola finished sixth. He actually finished fourth. Um, or did I, not? maybe I didn't say that wrong. Either way, they had their two guys finish in the top five and then two guys finished outside the top 29. Um, and really the only difference was brakes. Um, so I think that, it's not going to inform too many other races the rest of the season uh, because, you know, everywhere else they've run before except for the road courses. And the road courses, you're always going to use the biggest brake package because there's a lot of areas where you need to slow down a bunch. Um, but it was really surprising to me that so many teams weren't anticipating the amount of braking that was going on. So uh, that really ruined some people's days. I, I think Chris Busher was even one of those guys that had his day ruined. Ryan Blaney, who I mentioned earlier. Um, Ryan Priest, like I mentioned, had issues. Uh, I'm trying to think of anyone else. I think uh, De Benedetto had issues too. So 
a lot of guys with issues with breaks really jumbled some things up. If you had one of those guys, that sucks because they were having good days until that happened. Um, but let's get to the idea lineup. Who did you have to have to win your tournament if you wanted to do that? Um, I think it goes without saying. We've already been here. We've talked about it every week, basically. Kyle Larson had to have him. He was only 14,000, not 14.5 this week because it was prices before qualifying. Who could say? Uh, but he leads basically all the laps. <laughs> 264. Um, we had follow the leader picks, but we both agreed that Chase, I mean, sorry, Kyle Larson was the guy to have for follow the leader. He he was 100% the, the person. Um, like you mentioned, Joey Logano was someone you thought of maybe that could lead some laps. I thought the 18 could lead some laps. He did, but ultimately not worth much. Um, but outside of Kyle Larson, uh it was a lot of cheap guys that really made uh a lot of points and made the ideal lineup easy i only i only had to spend 44.3 thousand of the 50 uh on my budget to get an ideal lineup so second best guy to have in your lineup ross Chastain. great pit strategy did the same pit strategy as kyle bush actually and if you think about it kyle bush finished 11th and he finished second so that that should tell you something that ross Chastain is is really finding his way here in the and the Ganassi cars um, gained 17 spots, led four laps, only 6.8 thousand. His teammate Kurt Busch, third best, 8.5 thousand, more expensive, but still worth having. Gained 22 spots. Um, he had an issue with his qualifying lap, but clearly overcame that in the race. Uh, finishes eighth, leads three laps, and then a couple guys um, that were just like solid. Uh, Daniel Suarez finishes seventh, kind of. Didn't have any mistakes, overcame a lot of guys who had issues, um, didn't lead laps, but gained 15 spots. Great for your lineup, only $6,000. And then the fifth best driver was uh, Christopher Bell, which I think both of us were surprised by. Uh, finishes ninth, so just like a decent top 10, but he gained 16 spots. So, you know, his starting position really helps him there. And the fact that Kyle Busch and Truex and Hamlin all had different kinds of issues really made him the best Joe Gibbs driver to have. All right, we uh, we already alluded to it a little bit, um, but our locks and our lineups, um, our locks were not great. I mean, I think we both agreed that Truex seemed like a great pick starting from 35th because he definitely screwed up his qualifying run, but his pit strategy didn't work out. He had some fueling issues and he ends up 22nd. So he really wasn't the play that we thought he would be. And I had Kyle Busch who, again, early on, I thought, yeah, he's going to be great. He's, you know, running top two. He's the only guy who can even stay close to Kyle Larson in any way. Um, but they sounds like they over adjusted on that car. Didn't didn't get it right. Um, and so our locks weren't great, but we both are in the money. And I have to say, I am thrilled as mean as it is that uh, Chase Elliott got DQ'd because I would have been in the red if he didn't. Um, I looked what was it, Sunday evening? And I was in a situation where I was like, all right, well, I won one tournament for four bucks and I lost the other tournament and I lost the other 50-50. That sucks. And then with uh, the DQ, that put me in the money for uh, my 50-50, which meant I was in the green. So I was thrilled, Josh. I, I know you had a pretty decent week despite the fact that your lock didn't work out. Uh, what did you think of your lineups? I loved my lineups. Um, my cash missed again. 
which is starting to become a a habit for me right now. So we got to figure out how to how to get that going. I think it, I'm starting to just get a little too cute with the cash lineups and putting the lineup together that I really like in my tournaments. So I think I got to just kind of get back to the basics with that, but also having Blaney in my cash hurt quite a bit. Yeah, I, I liked him as a pick, although I, one of the comparisons that somebody made was that this track is like a bigger Richmond. And when I heard that, I was like, oh, that's a little scary for Blaney because I know he hasn't had success there. But we can't really judge how he did because he had the brake failure, which, you know, it's out of control completely. So hard to say. Yeah, so here's here's how I can describe how much he hurt me. In that lineup, I had Kyle Larson, Chastain, and Kurt Busch. Who are all in the ideal lineup. <laughs> Who are all in the ideal lineup. And then Bowman gave me 54 and Blaney took 4.2 away from me. And you still made cash? No. Oh, you didn't? Okay. I did not. Sorry. 64th. But just the fact that I started with 542 and 1, having those guys in the lineup seems like it should hit for you. Yeah, but that's rough. I can't be too concerned about it because I did... I told you, I think I said to you, I'm going to do something stupid. And I got myself into the $7 tournament, which is yep. the, I think it's a $10,000 first prize. I think so. Um, yeah. And there, I had Larson and Chastain to start it off. I ended up cashing 15 bucks in it. And Truex, who didn't kill me, and Bowman, who didn't kill me. So Bowman finished 14th, Truex finishes 22nd. Truex actually scored 1.4 more points than Bowman because of how far back he started. Yeah, yeah. Um, And then I. Just to confirm, just to confirm, it is 10K for first in the 777 entry, 50,000 overall in terms of prizes. So just wanted to confirm that. Gotcha. Um, and uh, Stenhouse, to round it out. just And Stenhouse was actually, he was the uh, the differentiator in my lineup. He was only started in 9.3% of lineups and yeah. scored 69 points, almost made it into that perfect lineup. And nice. it was just the combination of seeing him with good speed and practice and then coming out with a solid qualifying I decided to take the shot at, on him, even though he was starting pretty high up in the pack, and it ended up working out just fine for me. He yeah started 14th and finished 6th, so I like the speed, I like the starting spot, and that worked out pretty well. Yeah, uh, just to cover what I did with my lineup, because um, I, had, I had Stenhouse in my sort of bonus lineup, I think I, I mentioned it on Twitter, I ended up going with a dual lineup for both cash and um, tournament because I felt so confident in Larson, Truex, and Kyle Busch. Like, Truex starting 35th should be a, a easy dunk, right? And so I swapped to him over Byron for that reason. Um, but I had Kyle Busch, Suarez, and Ryan Priest. And really, the two big problems in that lineup were Priest and Truex. Um, it was enough for my 50-50 to win with the Chase Elliott DQ. But it wasn't enough for my tournament play. Um, and I'm glad I went for a bonus tournament uh, with um, 
Stenhouse because the way that lineup looked was Stenhouse, and I had Truex again, but I kept Byron, who did great at 68.5, just a little bit behind Stenhouse. Kyle Busch, who was good enough, and then Ross Chastain, who was really my my best play in that lineup with 78.9. Um, so it all it all worked out decently for me. Um, but I was really shocked by Truex's sort of disappointing performance. Um, and just to say, the best value plays real quick, uh, covering some of the ideal lineup already, obviously. You had Suarez at, you know, 6,000 was a great play. The 42 at Chastain at 6.8, obviously great. The one of Kurt Busch, who you had as your buy low, nailed it again. You're killing it with buy lows. Um, he made it into the ideal lineup at 8.5. Uh, but Stenhouse was fourth. Uh, he was the fourth best uh, value play you could have, followed by Austin Dillon, Ryan Newman, Al Marola, who, you know, didn't do as bad as I expected. Corey LaJoy, who had a decent running sort of mid-pack if he wanted a really cheap driver. Um, and then it sort of starts to fall off with Michael McDowell and Tyler Reddick, who I had. Um, so you're you're killing the buy lows lately. Um, I might need to start paying attention to who you have as your buy low this week to adjust my lineup. We'll see. Um, and let, let's just get into it. Let's let's talk about Pocono. Um, we've got a double header this weekend, so lots of opportunity to lose and gain money. Um, and I think it's important to point out that whoever wins on Saturday starts twentieth on Sunday. Um, the way they're doing the lineups is, you know, the normal formula for Saturday's race, and then the top twenty get inverted for Sunday, and then twenty first on back start wherever they finish. So my my biggest question is. Is there any way that you can not put the Saturday winner in your Sunday lineup? No, I have Larson locked into both days. <laughs> That's a very good point. I feel like it's going to be shocking if Larson doesn't win on Saturday. Uh, but no, to answer your question seriously, I don't, I don't think that you can take a winner out. Um, of your Sunday lineup, unless it's something along the lines of fuel windows come into play and they had three more laps on their fuel and past 13 cars to end the race or something ridiculous like that. Um, I think you have to have the winner because you're going to get them started starting in 20th and clearly they're going to have the speed for that track for that for the weekend and if you're starting in 20th and you have a you know top speed potential on this track it's it's a complete and utter lock for me yeah i have to agree especially with the amount of laps i mean obviously it's not a lot of laps both days 130 and 140 i believe we talked about um so yeah, it's it's hard to the only thing I can imagine if something crazy happens and somebody who wins on Saturday clearly wasn't the fastest, but that that would be surprising to me. Um so yeah, I, I fully expect we're gonna we're gonna pick whoever the Saturday lineup winner is, or whoever the Saturday race winner is to put in our Sunday lineup. Um but we'll we'll I think the plan is to do a bonus pot on Saturday, a quick one, just react to the Saturday race and talk about what we think for Sunday. So uh, tune into that, and uh, we'll give you our thoughts on Twitter, obviously, of course, iRaceWeGamble. Um, so check that out. And I want to try something new this week. Um, I know we've got a doubleheader this week, but I think for next week, we're going to Road, Road America on the 4th of July. New road course for the Cup Cars. 
um, but road racing in general. And the way we're going to do this is we're both going to draft three drivers. Not going to talk about prices because we don't know the prices yet. Um, but like three guys that we think will do the best. We're going to do a little snake draft style. Um, so Josh, I want you to pick a number, one or two, and I'm going to I'm going to generate a random number that's one or two. So to see if you get first pick, what do you want? Two. Generate. Good to two. All right. Who's your first pick overall? <laughs> well, this is a tough decision for me to make right now. I'm sure it is. <laughs> Excuse me. I'm going to take the five. Wow. Shocking. Who could have thought? The five of Kyle Larson dominating. I have said some things about road courses earlier this year, and I am not completely against them. Um, okay. I think I know who your two picks should be, and I also think yeah. I know who your two picks are going to be. Do you want to take a guess before I do it? Because I, I have them written down already. <laughs> do, you want, do you want the should be or will be? Should be. Should be 9 and 19. Hundred percent. That's who I'm going with. Yeah. I, okay. The way that I think this road course is probably most similar to um, uh, Sonoma, so I, I have to go nine and nineteen. They were second and third there. They were the only guys contending. So I, I'll take those two as my second two picks. Who Who are you going to fill out your lineup with? You got two choice, two more picks to to fill out your top three. Who do you got besides Kyle Larson? Oh, I forgot that I had two back to back here. Yeah, yeah, you got to pick two. I mean, you can take your time, but uh, yeah, you got two, two to pick. Yeah, I'm sure the listeners really want me to take my time with this, too. Oh, they do. Yeah, they love <laughs> Um, Boy, I really want to get your third driver onto my team. Okay, Lush. Yeah. <laughs> I knew that was but coming. I, I think I might let you have him. Oh, interesting. I think I might let you have him. Are you going to go all Hendrick? Is that the play? Uh, No, it's not. But I'm going to take the 22 and the 42. Ooh. Not the 22. Sorry, the 24 and the 42. Okay. Okay. I like that a little better. But I wouldn't mind the 22, honestly. Um, That's a really... Those are great picks. Because... Chastain is somebody who might not start up front, but could gain a ton of spots, as we saw a lot recently. And, and he's been running the road course as well, too. He has, he has. He was great at Sonoma. Um, finished top six or seven or so. Uh, and Byron and was good in the rain. That's a great point. Yeah, it could rain at Road America. Who knows? Um, and the 24 is just, he's like the, the consistent guy who isn't Kyle Larson getting every win, right? Like that, that feels like what he is right now. Um, yeah, so at, we've already talked. I got to go 18. I got to go <laughs> Homer pick. Uh, he's pretty good at road courses, you know. Um, he showed some strength at Sonoma, so I don't feel too worried about that. But you, I feel like you definitely have the stronger lineup there with the five. Uh, but yeah, in general, I, it'll be curious to see which, which of these three drivers scores more points at Road America. We'll... We'll check in again when we uh, stay potted for that one. But excited to see I, how that turns out. I thought you were going to let the 9 or the 19. Well, probably the 19 drop back to me. but No, I couldn't. I couldn't. <laughs> I, I will say this. I like the 18 better than the 42. But I had to pass on the 18 to get the 42. 
Yeah, that's understandable. And I think, I mean, like, obviously, if you're forming a, you know, the typical fantasy lineup, you're probably going to take the 42 over the 18 in terms of value. But, you know, if we're just picking the top three point getters, I, I think I might have a chance. Um, the only issue is literally that, like, Kyle Larson could start from the pole and lead every lap and dominate so hard that I have no shot. So <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> Um, all right, let's let's move on to your specialty, apparently, that we've seen over the past few weeks. Buy low. Who is your buy low this week at Pocono on Saturday? Not Sunday, just Saturday for now. Who, who do you got as your buy low? All right, so this one's tough for me this week because I want to say the 42. I mean, I understandable. Am sh- I am shocked that he's still down at 6,000. I think the only reason you're seeing that price point is because he starts in sixth, right? Like if he started 30th, like, or 28th or whatever he did at Nashville, then yeah. And and again, the same thing for Sonoma, right? He started in the back at Sonoma and he finishes top 10. Great day. Makes it in the ideal lineup. Um, He started, what was it? 19th at uh, Nashville, finishes second. Awesome. But without gaining all those places, it's going to be hard for him to score enough points. So I think that's really why his his price hasn't risen like we would expect. That's my guess. Right. And that's why, while I do have him, just a quick little spoiler, I do have him in my cash lineup. He is, okay. I've also been uh, working on what I'm calling the watch list. Interesting. Of guys that I really want to pay attention to on Saturday for my lineup on Sunday. Okay. And he's one of them because if he starts sixth and finishes sixth on Saturday, and then he's starting fourteenth on Sunday. Very good point. Then I'm absolutely locking yeah. him in. I love that decision. Yeah, I think that's a great, great observation. But for Saturday, because right now we're talking Saturday. Yep. I'm going to go just a little bit more expensive on the buy low, sell high, and I'm going to take the 17 of Busher. Yeah, that's a great pick. He's definitely on my short list. He's, he's made it into a lineup for sure. He's just, uh, he's just too, he's too juicy sitting there at starting 25th for 7,000. I can see a top 12 maybe top 14 finish for him and that's that's a, a lineup winner right there for for you totally agree uh, i i can't disagree with that at all and i'll say my uh my next best um person for for uh buy low i liked ross Chastain I, it again but like like you did but i do agree with the sixth place starting spot just makes him a little bit difficult to slot into a lineup you know, if he has any issues at all, it, this isn't, you know, a track that he's necessarily excels at. Um, so I'm going to go a little bit cheaper as opposed to more expensive. And I'm going to take Daniel Suarez because he has been just like very consistent top 15, top 10, uh, not making any mistakes. The team seems to have figured out like how to run a race without any issues. He starts 14th. And if he gets a top 10, I think he's worth it at 5.8. I mean, that's just, that's a good price for that starting spot um, if he can finish top 10. And I think he's capable of that. So I'm going to go Suarez in the 99 for my buy low. Uh, 
But in terms of locks, where there is no price limit, we both obviously okay. So we're we're excluding the five. We both think you should have the five in your lineup, right? The five is a lock. Yes. Yeah. The, the five, five is, is a lock. the lock. Yes, one hundred percent. There's no getting around that. But outside of the five, who else would you consider as a lock or a Crum, potential lock? Crum, it's easy for me this week. Oh yeah. Yeah, I feel like it should be easy for you too. Yeah. <laughs> it's the nine. One hundred percent. Yeah. Um, he's starting 29th, and he's in a Hendrick Chevy. Yeah. The only reason that he is starting 29th is because he got DQ'd. Like, if he had didn't, if he didn't get DQ'd, he'd be starting top probably 10, I think. Um, yeah, because he finished 13th, and then you go into all the other yeah, yeah. factors. And, so, yeah, he'd be top 10. Yeah. So, that, I mean, there's no way that you wouldn't, pick chase this week i think so i totally agree with you on the lock um but another guy who i think is in the same boat who had won his first race here starts just right in front of him on the inside lane in 27th is ryan blaney um a little bit cheaper starts a little bit higher isn't in the you know the hendrick chevy which i get and he is in the penske board which you know hasn't been as good as we've seen lately but We've also seen where he has won a race on the 550 package this year. So he's clearly, you know, it, even if Penske isn't focusing on 550 horsepower packages, I think that they have enough speed, especially with Blaney at this track, where if he just finishes top 10, that's going to be good enough. At 10.3 thousand, starting 27th, that's, that's 100% worth it. Um, so I, I really like Blaney as my lock outside of Chase, or I mean... Outside of Larson and outside of Chase. <laughs> so, uh, you know, if you're not looking for a Hendrick driver, if you, if you hate Hendrick for some reason, uh, Blaney's the guy for me. So Yeah, I think Blaney would have been my second choice, too. And I'm, with only 130 laps, place differential means so much more than leading laps. Definitely. Yeah. If Larson goes out and does what he usually does and leads 90% of the laps, he's getting 12 He's getting 11.7 points for leading laps. If Chase Elliott finishes fifth, he's going up 24 positions for 12 points. Yeah, so Chase Elliott would end up getting more points, right? Was that the... Yep. Yeah, so maybe Chase Elliott is the real lock over Which, Kyle Larson this week. Yeah, I actually... When I do that, when I actually math that out, I actually do think that there's a possibility that Chase Elliott or Blaney, for that matter, could, score him. could be could outscore Larson if somebody gets up yeah. there and leads thirty laps. Yeah, then either one of them finishes top five and they've locked in over Larson. That's a that's a great point, and honestly, and they're a lot cheaper. Right? Yeah, that's the other thing I was just about to bring up. Like, how in the world? Is DraftKings, or sorry, FanDuel, whatever. It doesn't matter. We're not sponsored. I can say whatever I want. Um, how in the world is FanDuel setting Chase Elliott's price at 11000 and Blaney at 10.3? I, I do know. not understand how Denny Hamlin, starting 10th, which I know he's good at Pocono, but like still starts 10th. Kyla Busch, starting 5th. Kevin Harvick, starting 3rd. Martin Truex, starting 15th. That might be another decent lock, honestly, based on where he's starting. But those other three... How how are they more expensive? Also, William Byron starts second. He's yeah, more expensive. Our, what the hell? 
Arvik starting third, you're not going to see him in my lineup. No, and William you, Byron. William I, Byron, I mean, maybe, but he's starting second and Chase is starting 29th. Yeah, I'll put it this way. If you're number crunching between the 24 and the 9, you're picking the 9. You're right? picking the 9. A hundred percent. It doesn't matter how you feel about either one of them as drivers. No, they could both finish outside the top 10 in like 10th and 11th and, or 11th and 12th or whatever. And you're still making way better choices with Jace Elliott. So um, that's how I feel about that. I, I don't think we need to get into any more number crunchers unless you had anything in mind, Josh. I don't think so. No, I, let's save that. Let's do number crunchers for Sunday. I like that. Okay. Yeah. Because we'll have, I think we'll have some very interesting takes based on the inverting one through 20. Totally agree. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get into the uh, lineups here then. Do you want to, do you want to start with tournament or cash? What do you think? Uh, Let's start with my cash because my cash feels like my clear cut lineup that I actually love this week. Okay. What, What do you got for me? So I'm starting with the five and the nine. The lock, and, the lock and the lock. <laughs> then I'm adding in the lock of the 12 of Blaney and keeping this lineup sexy. Locked up and sexy. Okay, I like it. I'm buying low and selling high with the 17 of Busher. Can't go wrong there. And then because this is my cash lineup, I'm rounding it out with Chastain. Okay. I think he can still stay top 10 and it doesn't hurt you that much if he loses four places. I agree with that. Um, I have a very, very, very similar lineup, but I put it in my tournament. And so, of course, course she did. Because that's, I feel like we do this every week where I end up saying a lineup that is exactly the same as yours, but it's in a different lineup category. Um, My only difference is I swap out the 42 of Chastain for the 99 of Suarez. Um, He's slightly cheaper which doesn't matter because you could fit them both in with that lineup. Um, He starts slightly further back. So that's a little bit more extra bonus for me. I think that's, that's probably what makes it a slightly better tournament play as opposed to cash, I guess. Um, That's what my justification will be, I guess. Um, But yeah, I'm fine with that. I'm fine with going to Suarez. Anyone, anyone who goes five, nine, 12 to start their lineup, I think is doing it right, especially in cash. Um, I mean, could those guys have problems or something? Sure. But, like, are you really going to bet against the 5, the 9, and the 12 all finishing in the top 10? Of course not. And it's going to be hard. The the only problem with this lineup, now that I'm thinking about it, is that it doesn't differentiate much. So, you know, I I might not have a very differentiated tournament lineup, but I, I feel like this lineup, all five drivers could land in the top 10, and that should be enough to either tie for the win or, you know, do do decent enough to get me some money. So that's what I'm going for. Do you have a do you have a tournament lineup set up yet? I do. Okay. Um I don't know if you're gonna like this one. I'm curious. I'm very curious now. I I actually think it's probably gonna end up proving to be better on Sunday, but interesting. We'll we'll see. So we'll see if you can do the math at home on this one. <laughs> Starting with the five. Of course, yep. Then going to the nine. Yep, obviously. The lock and the lock. Lock it up. Then 
for the math at home people, this is where it gets really interesting. The next highest priced driver I'm putting in this lineup is the 43 of Eric Jones. Ooh. At 6,500. Wait, well, hold on. <laughs> okay. <laughs> then I'm going with the 34. Uh-huh. Okay. And the I don't 20 mind that. and the 23. Wow. Okay. So you're going for the place differential for sure in that one. Place differential for sure. I like the 43, the 34, and the 23 a lot more at super speedways for sure, but definitely in the 750s. Mm-hmm. And that's going to make my lineup extremely differentiated. I can't disagree with that. Yeah, you're definitely going to have something unique. You, and that still keeps me with the 5 and the 9. Yeah. Who, who could finish 1-2 and be the top two point scorers. Yep. And if anything wild happens, I still have $7,800 salary remaining. That is, yeah, I was going to say, you, you, as soon as you drop down to the 43, I was like, holy shit, you've got a lot of money. I could um, add Ricky Stenhouse. Chris Busher, Eric Almirol, Chastain, Suarez as a sixth driver. Yeah. Oh man, I kind of wish they would let that happen. That would be nuts. Um, so I I do really like that lineup. I also like a possible tournament lineup where I drop to twenty three and thirty four and go to the eleven and thirty seven. I can't. I I can't. I can't endorse the thirty seven. I just. Can't. I know. I know. <laughs> But starting I understand. He's had good success at Pocono, but yeah, I get, that's the thing though. Is like that's the reason that draws me into Priest is that he's always starting so far back. It's like if he just does pretty decent, if he gets a fifteenth, that's going to be a great day for that. So I can't hate it too much. But after last week, I'm just scared of the thirty-seven. That's all. Yeah. So number crunch this then forty-three or thirty-seven. Oh God, hold on. I, what other prices? Because starting position, I think, comes into this a lot. Uh, yeah. The 43 is starting in 22nd at 6,500. And the 37 is starting 31st at 4,500. Oh, that's tough. Man. All right, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put in some fake data here. Let's say Eric Jones finishes 16th. And let's say Ryan Priest finishes 17th. No laps led. 130 laps total. Uh, I, man, this is what frustrates me. It's like, I got to go with Priest. He scores more points than <laughs> Eric Jones, and he's cheaper. So, right. I, all right, you're making me eat my words over here. Dang. Yeah, so that's that's the 31st start for Priest as yeah. somebody who I, I feel like I normally see around like 25, 26 is what makes him tempting to round that lineup out with going all the way up to Hamlin yeah. um, as the second highest price driver and having Larson, Hamlin, and Chase in that lineup. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell um, you what. So a couple different tournament iterations, um, but I, I really like both of them. Yeah, I, I will say this, and I say this, and then I realize where the starting position is set, so it's not going to work out as good as I hoped, but uh, Corey LaJoy... My favorite 
cheap driver is the same price as Ryan Priest. And I was like, oh, that just go LaJoy over Priest because, you know, Priest burned you. But he starts eight positions higher. He starts in 23rd. And that's probably the, like, max spot that he could probably get 20th at best, right? So it's like, if you're picking between LaJoy and Priest, you probably got to go Priest. I hate to say it, but, uh, yeah, man, that is frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's right where I was at with it. Yeah. All right, Crum. Let's hear about your tournament, and then I'll talk. I'll just mention my watch list quick afterwards. Yeah. Well, I already talked about my tournament. To be fair, that's uh, true. It's the same as your cash. But my <laughs> cash lineup, my cash lineup, I haven't entered it yet because I I'm sticking with the strategy of entering cash lineups morning of the race, so I don't screw it up. Um, so what I did is I entered a Sunday tournament lineup that I think will be good. And so I might use that as my cash lineup. So I'll give you my, my potential cash lineup for, um, Saturday that could change, but honestly, I I don't know that it will. It's just, it's a slightly very, it's a slight change on what I had for cash. Um, but I have the five of Kyle Larson. I have William Byron in the 24. I have Chase Elliott in the 9. So I've got my 300 drivers, because why not at this point? Um, obviously, Byron isn't as strong starting from second on Saturday. But, you know, if you imagine he finishes top five on Saturday, he's going to be a great play Sunday uh, at 11.5. So that's, that's kind of where my head's at with that stuff. Um, but I will say... Those 300 drivers, I feel like two of them are going to finish in the top five, almost guaranteed. So I feel confident about that. And then to finish out the lineup, I have Suarez in the 99, my uh, my buy low of the week, and the 42 of Chastain because of everything you said. <laughs> it's uh, it's hard to go wrong with him right now. I feel like he's he's really strong. Um, and as you mentioned, if he finishes top five or sixth or where he starts on Saturday. He's going to be a great play Sunday, but uh, we'll we'll revisit that on Saturday. We'll we'll put out a pod, and I think um, I mentioned this to you already. I think we're going to try to do a Spotify session, uh, like live recording, because um, uh, Spotify basically bought a company that does like live broadcasting um, and stuff like that. So it would be really cool to sort of see if there's any fan engagement we can do with that. Um, or anything like that. So, so what we're going to do is we're going to try to uh, record a live pod for Saturday. We'll put it up the same way we do this pod. So it's no difference if you just listen to the podcast. But if you want to check out Spotify sessions, uh, check us out on there. Uh, feel free to download the the app. But I totally understand if no one's about that. Um, we might get some random listeners based on the fact that you know I'm going to post it in one of the groups on there. Um, so that's that's the plan. Um, Josh, anything else for this weekend? What do we got? So keep an eye on a lineup of, for Sunday, all Hendricks and James Davidson. Okay. Um, and even I'm, James Davidson is 25, so you could have 15, 77, 66, 78, 53, any of them to round out your lineup on Sunday. You could be getting four cars starting between 12th and 20th who finished up inside the top six again. Um, I wouldn't hate that lineup. I know I joke around about doing all Hendricks 
a lot, but for Sunday, that would be the time to do it. And you can make it work as long as you're comfortable with rounding out with somebody like Davison. So maybe a cash yeah. over a tournament, um, but just something to, to think about. I totally agree. I think that what you can do is look at Saturday and see which of those like super low price drivers you that like does the best and just throw them into your Sunday lineup with the Hendrick drivers, right? That that would make sense, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um and then I I have a watch list going and I think yeah, I don't we've talked about pretty much everybody on this list, but it's a lot of the mid to lower priced guys that I think could potentially show up on Saturday and then have proven speed and place differential again for two races in a row. So I'm, I'm keeping my eye on the 23, the 34, the 42, all of Stuart Haas racing, including Harvick, the 43, the 99 and the 17. Yeah. And if you see enough out of those cars, I can see you going into Sunday and going with the five of Larson and then, you know, going 43, 99, 34, and 17, and that actually ending up being an extremely competitive tournament lineup. Yeah, very much could be. Um I, it's worth pointing out that, you know, the four of Harvick is someone to watch, as you mentioned, because he won here last year. He has the highest rating on driver averages. So he's no slouch, but I think we're both scared off by the fact that at, set, at the 550 horsepower tracks, he hasn't shown much. Um, decent last week, like we mentioned, but it's it's hard to trust him. But if we see something on Saturday, it might be worth uh, throwing in a lineup on Sunday. Yeah, and Saturday, yeah, Saturday is going to inform a lot of Sunday. And, Crumb, I'm looking at the weather. Oh, yeah? 78 with morning showers on Saturday. Okay. And then 83 with morning clouds and afternoon sun on Sunday. So, temperature-wise, very similar. Probably going to be relatively consistent track conditions. Not too hot, not too cold. Yep. Not... No rain. I mean, a little bit of rain in the forecast for Saturday morning. But other than that, we're we're looking like we're going to have two races this weekend down in Pennsylvania. Love to see it. Um, it's close enough that I almost want to make the trip. But uh, I might go to Watkins Glen on Sunday and uh, see a sports car race. We'll see. Yeah, uh, Poconos is co- maybe next year. Yeah, yeah, next year. I, I think the doubleheader idea is really the coolest part. Um, being able to see two races in a weekend is cool. Do Watkins, Pocono, and the Chicago Grand Prix? Hell yeah. Yeah, that's... That would be a nice little summer. I agree. All right. That's the tentative plan for 2022. Uh, (laughs) But until then, uh, check us out on Saturday with the bonus pod, hopefully. And uh, then we'll check in next week on Thursday. So uh, thanks for listening. Later.